In September, the head of SUNY Potsdam announced plans for dramatic cuts to its budget in order to address a $9 million operational deficit. And while the fiscal situation at the North Country College is particularly dire, it is not the only public college in New York that is facing budgetary challenges, with tough choices looming for schools around the system. For more on the issue, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by SUNY Chancellor John King. Welcome back to the program, Chancellor King. It's good to talk with you. So as we speak at the end of October, where do things stand with SUNY Potsdam's budget problems? Well, look, it's important to set the context. You know, SUNY Potsdam 10 years ago had about 4,500 students. Today, they've got about 2,500 students. And over that 10-year period, unfortunately, campus leadership didn't tackle adjusting their infrastructure and programming to match being a smaller school. So President Smith, who just started this spring, she launched a review and earlier this fall announced adjustments to their programming based on that significant change in student population. And then since that announcement, she's been gathering feedback from faculty, staff, alumni, community members, as she finalizes the plan for moving forward. But that plan is really about making sure that Potsdam is a fiscally healthy, sustainable 2,500 student campus for the long term. Well, you highlighted the issue of the declining enrollment. Does the financial imbalance at SUNY Potsdam seem primarily driven by the, the, I guess, failure to match up the student population with the amenities and faculty there? Yeah, look, you know, around the country, not just in New York, we've seen shifts in college enrollment in areas like the North Country. There's also been a general population decline. And so those factors have combined to translate into a big reduction in the number of students. There are areas of growth, though, at Potsdam. They've had a lot of growth, for example, in their Master's of Education program. And the president is going to double down on investing in those areas of growth. But they have some programs that just don't have the student interest to justify maintaining a major in that subject. And so they're making those adjustments. And ultimately, this is something that all colleges and universities need to continuously do. Look at their program offerings, figure out where can they grow, what are the places where they maybe need to reimagine programs, and where are the places where a program offering just doesn't match what students are interested in at this time. There's a potential, though, when you begin to make cuts that you're going to make the college itself less attractive, even if you are making investments elsewhere. So are you concerned at all about some sort of negative spiral that happens as the result of these cuts? You know, really what President Smith is trying to achieve is is a sustainable strategy for the long term. I think the investments are going to pay off. We're cautiously optimistic about their long-term enrollment picture, uh, stabilizing at the the 2,500 or so uh, where they are now. They may be able to grow um, somewhat above that, depending on student interest. And as a system, you know, as we think about the 64 campuses, we've got lots of places that are 
thriving. You know, University of Buffalo has added in the last year or so 150 plus faculty members. Uh, there are over 30,000 students. Uh, Stony Brook has been moving up steadily in national rankings because of their impact on social mobility. We've got at SUNY across our 64 campuses, any major and area of interest you might have, we've got it somewhere at SUNY, um, but we may not have it at every campus. And so part of what we've got to think about as a system is how do we make sure that we are providing the full range of opportunities for New Yorkers across the many campuses? Well, President Smith over at Potsdam has said in her remarks back in September that she doesn't expect any sort of bailout uh, from the state. And I think her quote in the Times Union noted was that, quote, the challenge is ours and ours alone to solve. That being said, is there an expectation that the state could provide any sort of resources during this transitional period that the school finds itself in? We are certainly supporting Potsdam through this transition. You know, we were very fortunate because of Governor Hochul's leadership and the support of uh, the legislature. We were fortunate to get uh, the largest operating aid increase SUNY has received in 20 plus years um, in this past spring's budget. And that provided resources that we're able to deploy to address student needs and expand student opportunities across all 64 campuses. That translated into a more than 20% increase in direct state support for Potsdam. So, you know, we're, we're investing at Potsdam and we're investing across all 64 campuses, but they have a structural deficit that, that they're going to need to close again because of that big shift in the student population. Right. And I think it's been recognized that SUNY Potsdam got a $3.6 million increase in operating aid for the 23-24 school year. But it sounds like you're not necessarily looking to carve out any aid on top of that to sort of smooth out this transition process. Well, look, their their financial plan assumes that they're going to sort of shrink the deficit over time. So it's not that they're going to close that entire $9 million deficit uh, this year with the changes that the president has proposed. Their plan is a phase down, and we're going to help them with that phase down. We also are working with them to make sure we support the Crane School of Music at Potsdam, which is a real uh, gem within the system and, and something we want to protect. It's you know, important that they lean into their strengths, their signature areas, uh, like the Crane School, like their master's in education program as they look for opportunities to grow. Let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. Uh, You're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with SUNY Chancellor John King. The situation at SUNY Potsdam, I have to admit, caught me by surprise, but that's because I'm not necessarily following higher education the way I should be. I, I apologize. So when you think about the system more broadly, are there other colleges that are in the same situation or near the same situation as SUNY Potsdam? You know, look, as as we look at enrollment data from this fall, and we'll get our enrollment data in the next week or two finalized, uh, we'll take a look at all of our campuses and try to assess fiscal health. 
The budget last year required us to prepare a report for the governor and legislature on fiscal sustainability across the SUNY system. For January, CUNY has to do the same thing. So uh, we're doing that analysis now with our campuses. There are campuses that are in areas of the state where they've lost significant population and where the schools have lost significant enrollment. Uh, and they've got to work through aligning their programming to their current enrollment. On the other hand, across the system, there are also places, as I've mentioned, that are growing. You know, I think about all the new faculty members that University of Albany has hired uh, focused on artificial intelligence across disciplines. Um, I think about the new president at SUNY Poly, who uh, was the provost at Worcester Polytechnic and has a vision of making SUNY Poly the premier polytechnic in the country. So we've got, you know, places that that are on the move, and we've also got places that need, that need to make some adjustments. So the places that you've highlighted as some of the good news stories, whether it's uh, Stony Brook or Buffalo or Albany, seem to be the institutions that are also getting uh, additional funding or even being prioritized when it comes to funding. So is it the case that the state is sort of just backing the winners and should be paying more attention maybe to the struggling kids in the corner? Well, look, the university centers are playing two really important roles in the state. They're educating a very large share of our undergraduate and graduate students. Uh, they're also the place where research is happening. We've got more than $1.1 billion of uh, research funding coming into the New York State economy because of the leadership of the university centers. And so we've got to invest. We've got to invest in the students at the university centers. We've got to invest in the research activity there that has a huge return on investment for the state uh, in terms of federal grants, but also in terms of economic development. You think of the role that Albany Nanotech has played in economic development in the capital region, for example, or the role that uh, battery technology at Binghamton is going to play in economic development in the southern tier. So it's important to invest there. With the aid that we got this spring, we we're also able to invest in improving services for students with disabilities across all of our campuses. We were able to invest in mental health services across all of our campuses. We were able to invest in expanding internships across all of our campuses. Um, but again, where there are, are campuses that have seen a, a large decline in enrollment and a decline in population in their region, uh, we're going to have to make sure that they're leaning into their strengths so that they uh, stay healthy institutions. Uh, but in some cases, there may be programs that don't make sense to continue, and we'll have to make those adjustments. And I want to talk about that angle, but I just want to follow up on that sort of initial idea of, I guess, the rich getting richer, for lack of a better expression. The state did include money for teacher retention and hiring teachers uh, at the SUNY colleges and universities. And I heard that some schools were unhappy with how much of that was going to the big universities. So can you talk about how that money was allocated? And, and was it the case where they were prioritizing some of these big universities that are doing the research that we just talked about? Well, I, that, that may be a reference to the funding from um, an earlier budget cycle that was targeted to faculty hiring that was continued in this year's budget. Uh, the places that are growing in terms of the number of students and research activity are the places where additional 
faculty slots are needed. The dilemma is that there are some folks who would argue, well, what we should do is, is dedicate all of our, our new resources just to a small number of campuses to programs that serve very few students. And I'm talking about, in some cases, a major where there's only two students in the, in the program. We don't think that's the right approach. We think the right approach is really to make sure that we're supporting all of our students and we're making investments in places uh, that will bring a big return for the state. You know, whether that's uh, making sure that Onondaga Community College is able to prepare the workforce we need for Micron and the semiconductor industry in Syracuse or our environmental science and forestry school in Syracuse. That's a key uh, engine of preparing folks to work on climate resilience issues. Many of the folks who work at DC, for example, are alums of our uh, environmental science and forestry school in, in Syracuse. And after a quick break, we'll continue our discussion about the financial situation of New York's public colleges and universities with our guest, SUNY Chancellor John King. business agency or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our discussion about the financial solvency of New York's public colleges and universities in light of SUNY Potsdam announcing a multi-million dollar operating budget deficit this fall, necessitating cutbacks. And our guest is SUNY Chancellor John King. You mentioned the SUNY Potsdam sort of areas of specialty, whether it is music or masters uh, in education. And I'm curious whether you think that's focus, that specialization that they are appearing to want to lean into as part of their right-sizing approach is something that more of the colleges around New York need to focus on, which is trying to find their niche and not trying to be everything to everyone. That, that, that's right. You know, this is something that Governor talked about in her first State of the State, the idea that each of our campuses has strengths uh, that they should bet on. So you think about SUNY Purchase, tremendous tradition around the arts, just had uh, Samara Joy win uh, the Grammy Award. Uh, that's a place where you know they, they need to deepen their partnerships with the arts community in New York City and in Westchester County as, as they uh, grow their student population. You think about um, SUNY Oswego, which has a great meteorology program and, and a very famous uh, alum in Al Roker. You know, so each of the campuses has particular strengths. Uh, Geneseo 
has a tremendous physics program, has been uh, sending a disproportionate share of their uh, physics graduates on to graduate programs in physics. Very impressive track record there. Uh, that's something to lean into. You know, so each of the campuses needs to figure out where those big bets are that they want to make on their strengths. Do more of these schools need to rethink whether they need to offer the traditional college experience as well and maybe pivot to an experience that's more akin to, say, SUNY Empire State, which treats more older learners and does primarily all of its classes online? Online offerings are definitely growing across the system. Uh, we know the number of 18-year-olds in the state is going down uh, in the next few years. So, yeah, it's helpful to have strategies to reach out to adult learners. Uh, I was just talking with with uh, administrator at uh, UAlbany today about some of the efforts they're making to create programs that will be well-matched to the needs of adult learners. That may mean leveraging online. That may mean a little bit different schedule because folks are working, so they need classes on the evening or on the on the weekends. It may mean uh, designing courses that uh, connect more closely to work. At the same time, uh, we are committed to a rich residential experience for uh, many, many of our uh, four-year undergraduate students, uh, and we're going to make sure that those experiences uh, have uh, extracurriculars and internships and the mental health supports that students need. Uh, I don't think we have to choose. We have to make sure that we're offering a full range across the system of 64 campuses. Out in the Finger Lakes at my uh, alma mater, SUNY Geneseo, they're looking to build out a history graduate program in part as a way to generate more revenue. Are graduate degrees a potential path to salvation for colleges that are looking to boost their bottom line when it comes to revenue? You know, uh, graduate programs can be uh, a real asset to campuses if they're in areas where uh, there's real student interest and there's a path to funding those graduate programs. So, for example, uh, we need more teachers in the state. Particularly, we need more bilingual teachers, more teachers of students with disabilities. Uh, graduate programs in those areas are much needed. Many of the mental health fields uh, require a master's degree. That's another place where there's a real need in the state. Uh, and our campuses can step up to meet that need. So yeah, every campus, again, needs to be uh, thinking about what's the right mix of offerings to grow their enrollment and to serve their communities well. You mentioned in the case of Potsdam when we first started talking that the administration at the time wasn't adapting to the trends that they were seeing in terms of their student body. What is the SUNY role in ensuring that campuses are being re responsive to those situations. Is there some sort of oversight that uh, SUNY needs to play, or are these colleges left to fend for themselves and we trust that they make the right decisions? You know, I, I started in January, and, uh, you know, my focus since I arrived has been to really take the SUNY system towards the governor's goal of ensuring that SUNY is the 
best statewide public higher education system in the country. To achieve that goal, I do think system needs to support campuses in doing continuous academic program review together with faculty through shared governance. Uh, and you know, our last few president's meetings have been focused on uh, ways that you can do that kind of program review, some of the questions that one should be asking, uh, having presidents share with each other some of their best practices in this area. Uh, it also means that that system needs to, to play a role in uh, helping secure, uh, at times, federal resources, I think about, or and state resources for new areas. So I think about our Offshore Wind Institute, that is a partnership between Farmingdale and uh, Stony Brook, where they are working with a number of campuses across the state to stand up programs to prepare folks for the wind industry. Uh, that's an important role that system can play, helping our campuses secure the resources uh, to grow programs in high demand areas. We worked last year during the legislative session on a bill around nursing simulation labs to mm -hmm. allow more of our campuses to train nurses in part uh, through some of their clinical hours, a third of their clinical hours happening in simulation labs uh, with very realistic simulations of hospital experiences. Uh, and now we're supporting campuses and implementing that law that was passed last year and building out their simulation capacity. That's a, another, again, another way system can help our campuses thrive. Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you if listeners just joining us. Uh, this is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with John King, the Chancellor of the SUNY system. Well, in addition to those collaborative conversations you, you just mentioned, are there situations, though, where SUNY and you as Chancellor need to step in and be, I guess for lack of a better word, the adult in the room and tell some of these institutions what is potentially best for them? Well, look, one of the important roles that we have is uh, reviewing applications for new programs. And historically, uh, not just in New York, but around the country, systems have been reluctant to say no when a campus asks to create a new program. But sometimes you have to look and say, hey, here we have two campuses. They're 20 miles apart. And campus A is asking to create the very same program that's already offered at Campus B, even though they're only 20 miles apart, is that really the best use of limited resources? And you know that's a place where we're going to lean in more on the program review side, and sometimes tell folks, you know, that that need is already being met somewhere else in the system that's accessible uh, to students in your region. Uh, let's try to find another area where you can grow. In terms of eliminating redundancies, are there opportunities on the back end, uh, say, in the administration of some of these campuses where you could find potential more redundancies to eliminate? Absolutely. You know, operational collaboration is a great way to, to save money and put resources towards instruction. So one of the things we're doing uh, around cybersecurity is identifying a uh, set of cybersecurity tools that we'll be able to make available across the system uh, as a shared service, if you will, across campuses. Campuses will opt into it, but it will be a cost saving for campuses. It will uh, allow us to ensure a standard of quality 
um, and allow campuses to take those savings and put them towards other areas of programming. And we've been talking with campuses about ways to save money on uh, procurement, for example. Uh, there are a number of back office services where it just makes sense to share them at the system level or regionally. Well, finally, in September, the state budget director put out his call letter to state agencies uh, asking them to produce budget proposals for the coming fiscal year, which begins in April for the state uh, with budgets that had flat funding year over year. One, did you get a, a call letter like that? And two, more broadly, are you concerned about the upcoming budget process and uh, what that could mean for SUNY? You know, the good news is last year, uh, the legislature not only committed to the biggest increase in 20 plus years, a $163 million operating aid increase, uh, but also committed uh, in the state fiscal plan to a $54 million increase uh, this coming year and the following year. It's very unusual to have that kind of multi-year commitment, but the governor you know, had proposed uh, tuition increases, legislative leadership was not supportive of that, in the conversations that we had about how to move forward, there was a commitment to say, you know, we're not going to do tuition increases, but we are going to commit to multi-year increases. And that that's what led to that $54 million in this year's um, fiscal plan and next year's fiscal plan. So we are counting on legislative leaders and the governor to uh, try to build a budget that satisfies that commitment in the fiscal plan. Uh, and we're, we're talking with uh, the governor and legislative leaders about other targeted investments, some of the capital needs across our campuses, some of the opportunities to, to make capital investments that will help us be a national leader in artificial intelligence, in uh, biomedical engineering, in renewable energy. You know, and those are investments that will have a huge return in terms of jobs and uh, federal dollars coming to the state. So it sounds like you're not putting your tin cup away when you return to Albany. That, that's, that's right. You know, there, there's always the need to look ahead and say, where can we invest in ways that will bring a big return? You know, I mentioned earlier, Albany Nanotech. You know, New York is positioned to be the Silicon Valley of the semiconductor industry, in part because of smart investments in research and uh, research infrastructure at SUNY uh, two decades ago. Uh, we need to similarly make bets now uh, for the places we want to lead into the future. Well, we've been speaking with SUNY Chancellor John King. Chancellor King, thank you so much for making a, a lot of time for us. Thanks for the opportunity. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show.
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.